Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 290. My name is Adam Patterson. With me today, we've got Kevin Rakestraw. How are you, Kevin? I am well. All right. Good to hear. This week on the show, we'll be talking about Matthew Porterfield's Solar's Point, along with some of what we've been watching on the watch list, including my thoughts on Deadpool 2 and previewing some new releases in theaters, VOD and Blu-ray. A little housekeeping start the show no ryan watches a movie this week ryan took a trip to the mountains so he he's taking a trip to the mountains to find himself <laughs> let's hope he does let's, <laughs> let's hope he does find i hope himself. it's a, i hope it is a, it's a spiritual journey he comes back an entirely new man i can only imagine that dude needs to get away i think he's been He's been under a lot of stress, I think. I think he needs he, he to needs get away vacation. probably like every other month. Yeah. Well, he needs to at least get out of the house every other month. I mean, that's yeah, just that's not healthy. <laughs> Maybe eat some vegetables. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Like, uh, it, it really is interesting how your diet can play a role in just your your overall behavior and your outlook and your sort of emotional I just want to say and I I might be in bad taste because he's not here but I just don't know his the fact that he doesn't eat any like fruits or vegetables I don't know how he's alive like it doesn't make sense to me yeah I don't know I don't know I I think that a lot of people have that uh, similar diet though or they just don't eat anything of nutritional value and somehow I do, I they can maintain themselves. I don't know how that works. I would feel like crap every day. Same. I, I, I just, I don't know. Anyway. <clears throat> uh, so no Ryan watches the movie this week. Uh, we'll be back next week after he returns. And there is going to be a new Film Pulse Selects film premiering this week it's called cold in all the sunshine so be sure to check that out if you're a patron on our uh, patreon patreon.com slash you already have access to it and you can watch the whole thing this is a feature length film all of our patrons get movies at least a week in advance so a little early access for you there if you're on the on the patron if not that's cool you can check it out on thursday when this comes out Let's get into our review for this week. We're going to be talking about Matthew Porterfield's Solar's Point. I have a synopsis here. Keith, a small-time drug dealer under house arrest at the home of his father in Baltimore, re-enters a community scarred by unemployment, neglect, and deeply entrenched segregation. There, he pushes back against his surrounding Limitations as he tries to find a way out of his own internal prison. Kevin, what say you about Solar's Point? Ooh, good question. Uh, this is one of those movies wherein, um, through the duration of the film, watching the film, the actual experience of it, it was fine. Enjoyed myself. I didn't love it. Didn't hate it. Um, and then after that, kind of the aftermath of the experience of watching it is again, it is fine, not a whole lot to say, wouldn't necessarily recommend it, but also <laughs> wouldn't necessarily say that it's not worthwhile. But you know, at the end of the day, if I did not see this movie in my lifetime, that would have been fine, it would have been okay. I don't think it really missed out. Yeah, unfortunately, I sort of agree with you. Um, I was really into it at the beginning. I'd say the first act or even like the, up until the halfway point, I was just I was really invested into this story. I just I was intrigued by the character of, of Keith played by uh, McCall Lombardi. I was really into this this story of this man just trying to get his shit together after getting off of house arrest, doing a, a, a stint in prison and just trying to get on his feet. So at first 
I was really into this, but it just slowly started to lose me. And it wasn't, it wasn't really at the fault of the, the film necessarily, or, or the director. It was just like, uh, I just wasn't, it, it just, it yeah. just lost I, me for whatever reason. It just, like it just, it didn't really, it didn't really go anywhere of any kind of substance. Yeah. I think it is. I think honestly, it's just kind of the narrative ran out of steam. He just really didn't, it wasn't really anywhere to go with it. And to have this at an hour and 42 minutes, it just, and it's, you know, the kind of the how it talks about in the synopsis, the community scarred by unemployment, neglect and all that. I didn't really see them, see him kind of touching on that, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like exactly. Keith, what Keith does is what? He goes to like one place, asking if they have work. And that's it. Well, and we he tries really... to he tries to take the HVAC classes, but he fucks that up because he missed the the first one entirely, and then he's forty five minutes late to the second one, so they kick him out, which yeah. is completely understandable. And it's like, are we supposed to feel like, man, this guy just can't get a break? But I mean, he's 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 doing it on to, uh, on himself. Like this is yeah. his fault. It's not one of these sort of stories where you know someone gets out of prison they're trying to turn over a new leaf and they just keep you know getting pulled back into their their former life that is happening to a certain extent but he does he's not really doing much to avoid that like one of the first things he does so he does this like odd job and then he he really can't find any work so he just immediately goes back to drug dealing and then the you know the the various pitfalls that occur because of that so it's like he's not really doing anything to to straighten himself out yeah you know and he doesn't you know uh zazzy beats is in this playing his uh ex-girlfriend courtney and it seems like he wants to reestablish a relationship with her but he's really not putting forth any kind of effort to show her that he has changed or is worthy of rekindling yeah. this relationship. No, not at all. I mean, he doesn't do any work really to try and make that happen. And then it does kind of shift towards the end where, and that's something that I was kind of wrestling with or kind of had some difficulty with is like you said, like, am I supposed to feel somewhat sympathetic to Keith's predicament? But some of the stuff that he does towards the end, I'm just like, I don't know. Like, if you want me to feel some sort of sympathy for this guy, like, like Zazie Beats kind of points out when she's talking to his dad, like, he's not a kid. Like, what he's doing is really dangerous. Like, just, you know, breaking into her house. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, it's stealing the dog. It's, it's dangerous and it's it is childish like he he acts like a child like the what he does with with uh his his father played by jim belushi by the way great performance by jim belushi and i want to point out that i wish uh because they kind of you know belushi and zazie beats is kind of like top billing here and for much of this movie they're just nowhere to be seen and it's really disappointing and because both characters are very compelling and they both do a really amazing job. I really wanted more, especially Zazie Beetz's character. I just, I love her and she, she's, she was great in this. And I just wanted more of that character. Maybe even just more of an exploration of, of that relationship that I felt like we just, we didn't get quite enough of that. Yeah. You know, we, we learned that the two of them, spent their whole lives together but that's really it like we don't really know much more than that yeah because i think that's what finally did it for me to at the end there where it's just like i can't i can't really get behind this guy i can't root for him and i think maybe that's maybe that's why i started it started losing me is that at the beginning i really did like i really was rooting for him and i really was hoping that he was gonna straighten himself out and it started losing me when he when i realized that 
this guy's not gonna he's not gonna change like this this isn't gonna go anywhere that I want yeah. it to go maybe maybe that's part of it but uh yeah it's it's just unfortunate I love the you know I love the setting like it it sort of brings me back to around where we grew up and it, it's funny like I didn't read a synopsis for this I didn't know anything about it like I, I had no idea and within the first like five, 10 minutes, I said to my wife, I was like, I, I think this takes place in Baltimore. Like this looks like Baltimore. It just has that vibe. And then like, yeah, the old outskirts. Yeah. And when, like when he was in the store with the Uts chips and just the, <laughs> the accents, it, the thing that that's really did it for me, I was pretty sure. But then when he goes into that bar for the first time and yeah. the, the, when he talks to the bartender, is that his grandpa? Because I know that the. Been. Yeah, I think it was. Because I know the woman is his grandmother, I think, right? Yeah. Uh, but as soon as he, he, that guy opened his mouth, I was like, oh, there it is. That This has to be. This has to yeah. be somewhere up there. And that's one of the things with Porterfield's movies that I always. I'm always intrigued by, or at least enjoy a little bit, regardless of like the quality of the film. It's just the fact that it's so close and it's familiar and it's kind of, they kind of take place around areas where like my mom grew up and stuff and to see, you know, every kitchen have a crab pot and it, that always helps. Yeah. Cause I mean, if this took place somewhere else, I would be, you know, <laughs> I'd be less inclined. Yeah, no, yeah, no. I think that there is something to be said about that. I mean, we we definitely we grew up in South Central Pennsylvania, but the sort of the atmosphere of the area a is fair. Yeah, I mean, it's the it's pretty much the same. Like, yeah, the a lot of the of, outskirts of Maryland, PA, and even Ohio, really, they all look exactly the same. And they have the same type of people in them. They have the same type of bars. Like when he went to that one bar, it's sort of the the trashy bar. I was just like, oh man, it's like the glad crab. <laughs> I was just gonna say the glad crab. It I is mean, exactly that. It's definitely. It's it, it in a way. It's it's a sort of a nostalgic movie for me. <laughs> <laughs> just reminding me of the uh, buying, the environment cigarettes at the bar <laughs> the environment that uh <laughs> that we were uh, in back then so yeah that that aspect which is like a completely sort of inside bias that that I I will have with this movie yeah i think the, the one of the things that he kind of touches on or the the story kind of touches on that it felt a little bit uh, too little too late and a bit too blunt was when he's playing spades and the guy's talking about trying to buy like his first car when he worked at Bethlehem Steel. Yeah. <clears throat> Which I thought was interesting because you towns don't have that anymore where you work at a factory, which is like the lifeblood of the area. And if someone knows you work at that factory, it opens up a lot of doors for you. Like, they will sell you a car because they know that you work at, you know, the factory in the town. Yeah. Whereas Keith's situation, they, we don't have that anymore. That doesn't exist. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. They mentioned Bethlehem Steel a couple times in the film. And I think yeah, because like every, everyone of a certain age in that neighborhood worked at that. Like, that's how they all knew each other. They all yeah. worked at Bethlehem Steel. I think that is an interesting point to make also like i wasn't even sure what time period this took place in for for quite a while i was trying to figure out i was like is this does this take place in like the 90s or like the early 2000s maybe like i couldn't place the time period because everything looked so dated and then it made me realize like oh it's because towns like this are sort of stuck in the past (laughs) like people still wear those like baggy boot cut jeans with the belt the 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 belts that are like two 
two or three sizes too big and they have like the the shit hanging down like the front part hanging down like the yeah. braided belt <laughs> like people still wear that stuff in in those towns and they still have like ancient computers running windows xp which by the way um i know like anytime i see an accurate use of technology in in films i always feel like i need to shout it out because it really bothers me when i see like really fake looking computer yeah. interfaces and this one looked very it looked good i did it, i did like how i got around it though like the desktop icon just said internet yeah and then when he was like on facebook it was like it was fw so i'm not sure if it was like face watch maybe it said it, it said i think it was did called it? friend watch or, okay <laughs> but i thought that they did a really good job of making it look accurate and uh, I, I always need to shout that out because I always appreciate that because it pulls me out of it whenever I see like really fake looking computer screens in movies. But yeah, uh, overall, just a, a little bit of a meh for me, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was it's fine. You know, it's a decent flick. Yeah, I thought. Uh, I mean, I did think that Lombardi was pretty great as Keith. You know, since a lot of this, you know, I was a little bit disappointed where it kind of felt like false advertising with Belushi and, and Beats there, you know, like not being in it at all, especially Belushi's in there a little bit at the beginning. And I'm just like, man, he's really good in this. Yeah. And then he just disappears for like an hour and 15 minutes. And it's like, oh. And I was really hoping that they were going to not maybe not focus, but but touch more on the, the father son dynamic there as well yeah, like, they 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 touch on it but i felt like they i, I kind of wanted them to go a little bit deeper into that yeah i mean it was a bit surface level in the sense that keith thinks that his dad hates him and his dad is i mean obviously does not hate him yeah i, I, like, I don't even know why i don't even know what <laughs> makes him <laughs> think that yeah like he's not like, mean to his son or anything he seems very supportive of his son. Yeah. yeah. He seems like a, a, a pretty good dad. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, that's what I mean. It just like, I mean, kind of going back to where it's, he, he does seem extremely childish. You know, like he overreacts big time to things where it's like your dad is not really harping on you that bad or needling you that bad. Like, give me a fucking break. Grow up. Yeah. Oh, Keith. What, 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 what <laughs> that, yeah, that was another thing. He hit a little bit close to home for yeah, a Yeah, I was going <laughs> to ask about that. Like, I was going to bring it up, but then I thought, nah, uh, maybe I won't well, on, on the air. My first thought is, how the fuck did he get house arrest? Like, Well, I think he was in prison yeah, first. Yeah. Then he, then he went true. to... That's true. I think he was in for a while. Cause, yeah. Because he did get mixed up with the the white supremacists, yeah. that that whole thing that he's trying to get out of. It seemed like he which, was in. I think they said like nine months or a year, or something that he was in, or maybe that was the house arrest. He was on house arrest for a, year. for a year. I don't know, but I, I feel like at one point somebody mentioned something about like not hearing from him for like two years or something. Yeah, I think it was. Uh, yeah, he was on house arrest for a whole year. That's what his one neighbor said. I don't know about the, the stint in prison. I don't know. I feel like it was also a year close to it. But dude's name's Keith. Runs in some, <laughs> some trouble with the law. I don't know. I don't know. I, I can see how that might touch close to home for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a little, uh, a lot of similarities there. Um, any final thoughts on Solaris Point before we give this a score? It is so bizarre because there is, there's not a whole lot that I don't necessarily, you know, dislike about the film. Like, I thought all the performances were great. I thought, like, visually and direction-wise, you know, it's fine. It did its job serviceable, you know. But at the end of the day, it's just not enough for me, I think. Yeah, I completely agree with that statement. 
Like I said, I, I was absolutely loving it at the beginning. I was liking the aesthetic, the location, just the, the characters. I was, I was really invested in it at the, at the beginning, and then it just I slowly started falling off. But yeah. either way, uh, I think I'm going to give Solar's Point a, well, I'll give it a 6 out of 10. I am right there with you. 6 out of 10. This is playing... This is playing in limited release right now. This will be out on VOD next week. So next Friday, I believe it hits VOD. Oscilloscope is putting this out. So give it a look. Uh, have you seen... I, I've never seen... This is my first Porterfield film. Which which of his others have you seen? Uh, I used to be Darker, which is really good. Um, there's a short film that came out a couple of years ago called uh, Take What You Can Carry. That's pretty good. And uh, I can't remember if, because it's been so long, if I've seen Putty Hill or not. Because I think Putty Hill was the, back in 2010, that was the movie that kind of put him on the map a little bit. Mm -hmm. and did you also notice that uh, Solar's Point was produced by Danny Glover? I saw that. I didn't know if it was the Danny Glover. It is the Danny Glover. Interesting. Pretty sure. I mean, I don't have anything to back that up. I'm just saying that it is. Okay. And uh, <laughs> Jeremy Solonier was the cinematographer for Putty Hill. He uh, used to be Porter Field's cinematographer. Oh, yeah. I think we did talk about that before. Yeah, I'll have before to. Branched out on his own. Because I, I think he also used to work with um, Tully, Michael Tully. Ah, interesting. I just rewatched Green Room like last week and uh, that holds up. I know you were big up. on that one, but I. All right. So that's Solar's Point. Let's move on, talk about some of watching on the watch list. I think I'll start off with Deadpool 2 since that was sort of the big release this weekend. Uh, now, I was not huge on Deadpool 1, I liked it. I was like, oh, this is this is good. I, I like the the concept of the sort of triple A superhero movie being R rated. You know, there weren't I don't know if there were any certainly none of the like the big Marvel DC franchises and certainly none that were this big that were R rated. And then, you know, since then we had Logan come out that was hugely successful at, at an R rating, and now we have Deadpool 2. And uh, the funny thing is, at the beginning of Deadpool two, they make fun of Logan. If you're if you're familiar with Deadpool, he the the whole kind of the shtick is that he breaks the fourth wall a lot and, and puts a lot of kind of meta humor in his stuff, both in the comic books and in the uh, the movies as well. Uh, Deadpool two, I thought was I enjoyed it more than Deadpool one, mostly because of the the other characters that were involved. So we have uh, another Zazie Beats role as Domino and I, she needs her own movie. I, I don't know. If, I read a rumor that they were talking about doing her own movie. And uh, I don't know if that's true or not. I think that probably the next thing we'll see her in as that character is, is X-Force. I think they're going to make an X-Force movie, but uh, she was incredible as Domino I liked the Domino character in the in the comic books. Her superpowers, she has like perfect luck. So the way that they represented that in the in the movie was it was sort of like um, sort of like Final Destination, where there's these sort of Rube Goldberg esque things that happen around her that always end up in her favor. Cable was the other character that I really enjoyed in this. Uh, Josh Brolin his portrayal is cable where he's like this, just this ultra serious guy. And he's, he sort of plays the straight man to Deadpool's silly silliness. And uh, I thought he did a really good job. Cable is another one of my favorite X-Men universe characters. And I thought that he was represented pretty well by Josh Brolin. I definitely want to see more of him too. The humor was really hit or miss for me. Just like the first one, uh, a lot of retreads, a lot of the same sort of jokes, that happened in the in the first one they come back to in this one uh sometimes that makes it more funny sometimes it makes me want to roll my eyes and be like all right we get it 
I understand this is this is supposed to be funny. Like, eh. The uh, some of the there's a lot of really funny cameos and just sort of throwaway gags in this one. A lot of visual gags and stuff that some of them were surprising. Some of them really worked. And the post credits stingers. There's two of them, and the second one is uh, really funny. And uh, I really enjoyed what they did with that one. Overall, they sort of did everything that you would expect with the sequel in this. Everything was bigger. They the It seems like they had a bigger budget for this one. Uh, so they definitely had more characters. They had the, the action sequences were fantastic in this one. So I would give it a uh, I would give it a light recommend. If you if you really liked the first one, if you loved the first Deadpool, then definitely check this out. Uh, this one, it's not the same director. This one's directed by uh, David Leach, the guy who did John Wick and Atomic Blonde. So, okay. you know, if you're familiar with those movies, you you have an idea of what the action is going to be like, and it's it's pretty it's pretty well done. The action is pretty badass in this, actually. Lots of dismemberments and whoa, crazy, uh, violent, but done really well like shot really well and stuff they even make fun of they even make fun of um david leach in it saying that he you know saying that he was one of the guys who killed the dog in john wick but uh yeah it was just pretty enjoyable i would give it a light recommend yeah. i think i feel like you you need to see these movies at some point you, def- you definitely need to see deadpool too but to get a lot of the jokes, you sort of have to see the first one. Okay. And the dude from Hunt for the Wilder People's in it, too. So That's true. You did say that. Ricky Baker. I do. <laughs> I want to see it just for that, really. Yeah, he's he's pretty great in it. Uh, I saw Roman J. Israel, Esquire. All right. Dan Gilroy. All right. Guy did uh, Nightcrawler. Nightcrawler. Uh I just remember a lot of people not liking this movie at all and just like pretty much outright hating it. Yeah, I remember so, it did not do very well. No. And uh, so I was a little bit worried, but it's Denzel Washington, which I'll pretty much watch him in anything and enjoy myself. And what he's doing in this movie as Roman J. Israel Esquire is so unbelievably watchable. And I love it so much that I could literally watch him as Roman J. Israel in like a hundred different movies. He could just do that character forever and I would watch every single one. If this movie did not have Denzel Washington and someone else was playing that role, this movie would be terrible. So that uh, gives you an idea of the importance of Denzel Washington in this movie, which is... It's not, it's not terrible, okay? I, I mean, I was kind of surprised that people hated it so much after seeing it, but uh, it is a bit of a mess. It's kind of all over the place. Some things, you know, there's um, <clears throat> developments that happen that it just, just seem kind of random and forced. Like, Denzel Washington's character is, he's, he's a partner at a firm where... The, the guy that runs the firm is like the head. He's out in front. He's the one in court and everything. And Roman is just the guy like in the back room going through all the legal books and just doing doing the grunt work, you know, to get him set up. He's the like the legal mind. He's kind of like this savant. He knows fucking everything. He has shit memorized. And he does everything old school with post-it notes and stuff. So the guy that runs the the firm, he dies. So... Roman doesn't really know what the hell to do. So he ends up getting with Colin Farrell, who's this like big time lawyer. So he goes to this big time firm and uh, all of a sudden he kind of just realizes that what he's doing isn't really working out him trying to help out the poor and everything. So he just decides to say, fuck it. And he's just going to be materialistic. He gets nice suits and like his whole demeanor completely changes, which just felt really like, you know, just 
it was a bit too forth. Like it didn't make sense. Like him as a person being this old and being this way for so long to just all of a sudden just change a hundred percent and just become someone that doesn't give a shit. It was just, you know, but him as an actor pulls it off. Cause you're like, ah, it's, it's bullshit, but it's awesome. I love Denzel. He's doing it. So great. His character's all over the place. I love it. Just let him keep doing what he's doing. Hmm. So if you're a fan of Denzel Washington, you have to watch it. Yeah, I'll have to. Because he is great here. I'll have to give it a look. I think he was nominated, wasn't he? He was nominated uh, for an Oscar. Because you see like a lot of the characters that he's playing in this role, but at the same time, they kind of flip it a little bit where he doesn't really have, he's kind of like overly nerdy and he doesn't have people skills and he doesn't quite have that confidence and everything. So it's interesting to see him play that instead of kind of the same character he always plays. The Denzel swagger, the training day swagger that he acquired. Yeah. But he like, he still has it a little bit, but it's tweaked. Mm. to where he's like this savant where it kind of it kind of bubbles up now and then it's it's really interesting hmm. i have to give it a look uh it didn't look bad to me it, it looked decent no and that's the thing that kind of surprised me is like it's not terrible i mean it's not that great of a movie but like jesus kind of how i felt about nightcrawler if i remember correctly <laughs> yeah like i didn't really like nightcrawler either but like it's not awful. Yeah, I think a lot of people liked Nightcrawler though. If I re- if memory which, serves, yeah, which, which is another thing that's odd to me because I think this movie is much better than Nightcrawler. Hmm. Interesting. All right. Speaking of messy movies, I saw a pretty messy movie, and that's Batman Ninja. Did, <laughs> Batman Ninja. Yeah, I gave this a look last night. So the. So the concept of Batman Ninja is that uh, Batman is fighting Gorilla Grodd, who, if you're not familiar, is the he's this giant intelligent ape in the DC universe. Uh, if you watch the show The okay. Flash on the CW, he's that that character's actually been featured in The Flash a couple times, and uh, really well represented on that show actually. But Grodd creates this uh this time machine thing and it ends up transporting grod batman and a bunch of other pretty much every batman iconic batman character back in time to feudal japan and they are in feudal japan and it turns out so when batman ends up there it's two years after everyone else so everyone else has been there for two years already uh, which is very convenient because it gives the all the criminals enough time to set up their operations in Japan. So <laughs> essentially, each each Batman villain gets their own. They took over their own, their own state and th- they run it. And each of them has built their own uh, moving house. So it's sort of like Hal's moving castle. But it's it's all Batman villains. So you have like the Penguin and Two Face and the Joker, and and then you have Grodd, and then there's some other characters that that show up in there as well. Harley Quinn is obviously with Joker, and you have all of the the sort of the Bat Clan in there as well. So you have like Robin and Nightwing and Red Robin and all of those characters. Catwoman's in there too. Basically, everybody gets transported back to feudal <laughs> yeah. Japan, including Alfred, by the way. Alfred <laughs> gets transported back. And, and and when Batman meets him for the first time, he's like, how did you end up here? And he's like, oh, I was in the Batmobile. And the Batmobile got transported back, too. And it's like, oh, this is so convenient how every major Batman character, nobody else, nobody else got like not just some random Joe Schmo walking down the street. And if he did get transported back, then he's screwed because they they are only concerned about sending themselves back to the future. So Batman finds out that the Joker sort of took over Japan. Like he's on his way to become Shogun. He's he's going to take over 
the entire uh, the entire country, and they decided they 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 got to take them de- take them out. They got to take all these guys out. Yeah. Basically, it just packs in every anime trope you can think of into this Batman story that is utterly ridiculous. And I don't know if it's necessarily taking itself seriously. Like, I think you could watch it and just have fun with it. But yeah. some of the stuff that happens, you're just like, oh, my God. Like, they gave Catwoman giant boobs for some reason. And it's just all of these goofy, like, Robin looks so ridiculous in this. And he has this little monkey friend that he can talk to and that talks to him. But, like, only he can understand so he's sort of like that that one character in Speed Racer that has the monkey. Mm-hmm. And every every anime trope, like giant mechs are in this. Yes. Utterly ridiculous action sequences that defy all logic and physics. It's it's just so, it's so silly and over the top. The art style is really impressive for the most part. I say for the most part because they sort of incorporate in this really interesting sort of watercolor aesthetic that that sort of makes it look like um, an ancient like Japanese um, painting, and mm-hmm. that's really impressive. And a lot of the a lot of the animation is this it sort of looks like this hand drawn artistic style. I would I would. Uh, I would compare it to the, uh, what's that one? um, There's a video game that came out. I think it was called Okami. Yeah, I got to say, looking at the the stills of this, it looks gorgeous. Yeah, I mean, you can take any single frame of this for the most part, and it just looks incredible. Like, I was really impressed with the animation, except some of the character animations are CG, they are sort of this cell-shaded style of CG, and the movements look a little off to me. Like, they don't quite yeah. match the, the, the sort of the beautiful backgrounds and environments that they're in. But it's that's more of a, a nitpick than anything. It, it looks really impressive. So that's definitely a plus. It, it, the thing is, it gets more ridiculous as it goes on. Once you get the giant mechs involved... And the the there's a there's a scene that, that occurs that's basically Voltron that happens, and you're just like, oh my god, it's it's so ridiculous. It 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 seems like you're not that into it, and oh man, I just saw the Voltron thing. This <laughs> uh, it seems like you're not that into it, and it's like you everything that you're saying should be shying me away from it. But it's only pulling me in closer. Yeah, it's it's definitely, to the point where I'm like, I have to see this. This is it's really over the top. It's really silly, but I can see how some people will enjoy that. And for the most part, I did enjoy it. It's just that the the narrative is so messy. Like everything just happens so conveniently. Like just like like I mentioned the Alfred thing and the the half-assed reasons that they give for having people here and like at one point they're like okay well Grodd is really the main bad guy but the Joker is so powerful that he can easily beat like anybody so we need to come up with a way to get rid of Joker at least temporarily so the 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 thing that they come up with is so stupid and and dumb (laughs) like I just doesn't it doesn't really work and then the and then they like throw in random characters that show up for like one scene. Like Bane comes in and he's a sumo wrestler, of course, in this. And yeah. he's in there for one scene. They're like, why is Bane in this all of a sudden? And the so the script is just it, it's all done for convenience. And it was like that they were the writers were just sitting at a table and they're like, okay. Here's a list of all of the Batman characters we want to have in this. It's every Batman character, pretty much. Let's just come up with the first thing we can to get them in this movie. Even if it doesn't make sense. Even if they're in it for just one scene and then they're gone. It's 
It's just a messy movie. It would have worked better as a TV series. That way they would have been able to spend more time on explaining how some of these people got here and maybe delving a little bit deeper into their characters so we can spend a little bit more time with them. But overall it was it was a meh. It was it was all right. There were certainly some fun things to be had. I mean, there's a giant Batman that is made out of bats. <laughs> It's made out of that. bats. And then Wish, there's uh, and then there's a giant monkey samurai that's made out of thousands and thousands of actual monkeys. I saw that too. That's what I'm saying. Like <laughs> it sounds great. Yeah. Honestly. And it looks great. The character designs I might have to watch it. The character designs are awesome. Like the the the, the suits and the costumes and stuff that that they created are really cool. Like they all sort of have their own, they still retain their own look, but there there's this sort of Japanese vibe to each of their, yeah, their costumes. Just, it's just essentially people in a writer's room. Okay. So the Joker, but the Joker also as a samurai. And then they just did that with everybody. It looks like. Yeah. They just melt it with a samurai look. Yeah, but there's different. They, 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 it is, but they sort of, they each have their own unique look that sort of harkens back to, uh, the the style of like the feudal Japan style. Like for instance, um, how what's his name? The not red, maybe it is Red Robin. No, not Red Robin. The one of the other Batman characters, uh, Red Hood, I think his name is. I can't remember. Uh, he has like that giant, like one of those masks, those like sort of wicker masks, like uh, hat things that like goes over your whole head, but it's like all oh, it's yeah, red. Yeah. And his so his look is really cool. I don't know. It's it's pretty interesting, but uh, that's Batman Ninja. That's out now on uh, various. VOD platforms, and I think it's out on Blu-ray and stuff too. I did a uh, I did a rewatch of a movie that I haven't seen in uh, I guess since two thousand and one. I think I saw it with you actually, and that's AI Artificial Intelligence, oh, Steven yeah. Spielberg. Yeah, this is on Amazon Prime. Popped up on there. Wife has never seen it. She wants to see it, so we watch it. And like I said, I don't really remember too much from it. Apparently, I didn't like it. So I was interested to see how things would go second time around. And I will say this. For the most part, I enjoyed it. What happens is, and I completely forgot about this, is like the end end where the aliens show up. That's when everything just got flushed down the toilet. I remember that. Absolute shit. Like it just, it nullifies everything it becomes such a piece of shit at that moment yeah i remember that the alien and it's such a great like ending of him being trapped under the water because of the ferris wheel and him just staring at the blue fairy and asking 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 to make her you know for her to turn him into a real boy and then the instant that the narrator's voice come in because for some reason we're just like let's throw in a narrator now and that happens, and I'm just like, oh, okay, this is why this movie sucks. Okay, this is awful. And then the, the aliens show up, and they, how they set everything up, and you know, the one alien sits down with David, and he's talking to him, and it's just so bizarre that this, this alien, this being that apparently has mastered everything in the universe, is sitting with David and talking about how human beings are the greatest thing that ever exists and they're so wonderful and they're geniuses and they're just oh and it's just like what why would an alien just be sitting here and just just going into such great detail of how wonderful human beings are like give me a fucking break they're not that great and i'm pretty sure the alien would know this yeah so the bullshit and aliens at the end just fucking, you know, give me a goddamn break. I remember that ruined it for me, too. Such, oh, God, it's so awful. 
And it was doing so well up until that point. Because it is this like weird kind of mix of Pinocchio and The Wizard of Oz. And you had the science fiction side thrown in there. And it's, just, it's, it's really compelling. And then that end just feels so ridiculous. Mm, yeah. Oh, just, just fucking wrecked it, man. I don't think I'll be revisiting that anytime soon. No, and it's it it sucked because like throughout the beginning and you know in the second half or you know in the middle act two where you know it gets with Jude Law and they're looking for the the blue fairy and everything. I was just like, why did I hate this? This movie is really fucking great. Like I am loving this. And then that narrator popped up. And I was like, uh oh, uh oh. Yep. I think this might be why. Here we go. <laughs> and then as I went on, I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot all about this. I blocked this out of my memory. Mm. Yeah. That's a uh, long movie, too. Yeah. I remember it being That's very nice. long. Yeah, and you feel it. Yeah. Uh, the only other one I'll mention briefly is a, a movie called The Cleaners. This is one that premiered at Sundance. Uh, I think it premiered at Sundance. Certainly screened at Sundance. I wanted to see it there, but I missed it. And uh, I got to see it this week. Uh, It's a documentary about the sort of hidden industry of digital cleaning. So these these are basically people, thousands of people, that are hired by companies like Facebook and Google to scrub their sites of unwanted content so they're called they're called content moderators so they most of them work for third-party companies so this a company will be created that specializes in content moderation and then a company like facebook will contract this company to basically spend all day having people search through videos and pictures and decide if they are okay to put on the site or not. And it, so, so it delves into how these companies work and it also profiles several of the people that work for these companies. Now these companies are super secretive. Uh, They are every, everybody that works there is required to sign all kinds of NDAs and stuff like that. Uh, about who who they're actually working for and how how the job how how it all works but the directors were able to interview several people that that are either no longer with those companies or people that were like still with them but planning on leaving so they were just like fuck it i don't care and it's really fascinating. I mean, somebody who is works in the tech industry and is really interested in how things work on the internet. Um, it, it's just a really, really fascinating documentary because, you know, people post awful things on these sites all the time and it's these people's jobs to prevent regular people, us from seeing these awful things. I mean, people post like child porn and, you know, people getting beheaded on Facebook. And the reason we don't see it is because there's essentially an army of people in Manila who are filtering all of this stuff out by hand, you know, like saying, Nope, that, that is not okay to to put up. That is not okay to show, you know, that child pornography on Facebook. Yeah. Uh, but it also gets into sort of the, you know, the socio-political aspect of it. Like, you know, some governments have laws against certain content and how companies like Google and Facebook navigate those tricky waters where this might be okay to show in the United States, but it's not okay to show in like Turkey or something, you know, a place that has a more... A restrictive government when it comes to certain things. Yeah. So it, it sort of gets into that aspect of it as well. But uh, I would definitely recommend checking it out. This is going to be 
playing it's still playing the festival rounds it's going to be at the human rights watch film festival that's coming up here in new york next month and uh it, i'm sure that it'll be out and available at at some point um yeah that's, this year. that's, that's, a, that's an interesting doc yeah i mean i will say just as a as sort of a disclaimer they do show several of the things that they're filtering cuz like a big part of the the documentary is them actually going to these centers like these offices where they work and showing yeah. them actually working and they'll like interview them and they'll talk as they're working and sometimes doesn't happen a lot, but sometimes they will move the camera to the actual, you know, screen and show some yeah. of the pictures that they're looking at. And some of them are very graphic and very disturbing. So just, just a, just a warning that, uh, there is some rough stuff that you do see in this movie, some stuff that you probably won't be able to unsee. Yeah. It, they don't, they don't do any like the, child pornography or anything like that it's more of like the the more violent uh things that are perpetrated by you know isis and things like that and then they also one of the other things that they do is they talk to um several organizations that are trying to sort of um put out these photos that did get wiped you know there's certain things i mean it, it, it's a it's a gray area you know you look at like child porn and that there is no gray area there like that should not exist on the internet right yeah but then there's certain things like um pictures of the aftermath of a coup or you know s something uh a, a natural disaster that occurred in a in a third world country that may need our help you you see images of or images of war, you know, for instance, uh, bombings, stuff like that. And one can argue that these are images that should be seen by the public. You know, th these are things that we should be aware of so that we can take steps in preventing this from happening or stopping this from happening. But these images are getting scrubbed, too. And I think yeah. that, and it, so it brings up this really interesting debate on what, what should we see? What should we be shielded from? And, and this whole thing. And then, so they, they get into, there's, there's certain organizations that are trying to get this, these images and, and this information out, even though it's being scrubbed all the time. So yeah, really fascinating. I would definitely recommend checking it out when it comes out again. It's called the cleaners. Yeah. that's all i i'm done yeah me too that's all i got me too let's get into some releases this week in theaters we got a biggie solo a star uh -oh. wars story oh okay got a hand solo movie watch out uh pretty excited for this one uh for some reason like with this with the, all the new star wars movies i've been far less excited than than in previous years I, I don't know why because i always end up enjoying them but uh this is the the one with uh i'm, I'm more so than anything i'm excited to see donald glover as as lando yeah and there's i heard that uh you know there's there's rumblings of a uh, standalone lando calrissian movie which uh pretty pretty into that idea they're just they I think at this point, you know, you're making so much money off of these things that they're probably just gonna do standalones for everybody. Why not? Just keep making them. Yeah. People are gonna keep seeing them. You're gonna keep making the money. Everybody gets one. I hope that that, that means that they'll be taking some more risks. You know, like I feel like the like the Marvel movies, they they while they are Yes, they do somewhat stick to a formula. I feel like some of them take more risks, like you know, Doctor Strange 
and I hope that they do the same thing with uh, the Star Wars movies. Like if the, if there is a Lando movie, I hope that they don't make it just your you know your standard Star Wars style movie. I want I want it to be something different, you know, different genre within that Star Wars universe. I don't think it's going to be. I don't think you're going to get that. Probably not. But, but you you keep hoping. I I know? will. Hey, you know, I keep, I heard keep that, that hope in your heart. The the Captain Marvel movie that's coming out is going to be set in the '90s, which I like. I like that idea. Uh, All right, what else? Job. What else do we have here? How to talk to girls at parties. This one uh, did not get very good reviews, but I, I was interested in this one. This was on my most anticipated list, I think, two years ago. It's the the one based on the uh, now, yeah. the Neil Gaiman story. Yeah, the directed by John Cameron Mitchell, Aliens, set set in nineteen seventy seven London, punk rock scene. I'm still gonna check this out at some point. It looks quirky. Oh, you gotta get that quirk. <laughs> uh, Loving that quirk. Yeah, buddy. We have Mary Shelley coming out biopic about the famed author Mary Shelley. That's it. El Fanon doing back to back, getting two. Yeah, that's that's a double double fanning action. How to talk to girls at parties and Mary Shelley. It's gonna fucking dominate theaters. Yeah. Got Future World. This is a. Uh, it's directed by James Franco. Oh, get the fuck out of here. Stupid ass title. Future world. <laughs> what a fucking stupid title. Stupid director. Look at his stupid face on that poster too. A dipshit. I think he plays a bad guy in this. I think he plays a, a villain. Sookie Waterhouse oh, is in it. You guys such a shit. Just a pile of shit. This movie looks incredibly bad. I'm really not sure. Oh my god, it looks all I'm seeing some stills here and mm. it nope. It's a Mad Max ripoff in the looks of it. Yeah. Probably avoid that one. Alright, let's see what else we have here. In Darkness. Uh it's a thriller. We got The Gospel According to Andre. That's a documentary. We got Who We Are Now. And we've got Feral. That's a uh horror film. Not too much. No, not too much. It's usually, I mean, like, it's usually like 28 titles. Yeah, people moved out of the way for Solo. <laughs> All those straight to D, the BOD are banking on, ah, if we just wait out a week or two, it'll be much better. <laughs> You're going to do exactly the same, guys. Sorry. Uh, very, very possible. That is that is very possible. Uh, let's Speaking of VOD, let's take a look. Uh, it's on Tuesday... We have Soft Matter, it's a horror movie, and Troll Inc. I think that's a documentary about uh, a troll, an internet troll. Then on Friday, we have Feral. That's a uh, that's the horror movie I mentioned. Got a Netflix movie called Ibiza, Future World, and it looks like that's pretty much it for VOD. Uh, I think that's the worst title of the year. Future World. <laughs> uh, what was that? Uh, Tomorrowland. 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 Oh, yeah. It's the Disney one. So we got Future World and Tomorrowland. I just accompanying that title. I'm just imagining James Franco, you know, like calling someone up or in a room getting super excited. And it's just like Future World. That's what we're going to call it. And he's just super amped about it. And everyone else just like, uh. Sure, James. Why not? I guess. Getting James Franco. <laughs> uh, Blu-ray this week. Got Red Sparrow. It's the uh, action thriller with um, Jennifer Lawrence. Got Game Night comedy. I actually want to see that. I, I got relatively good yeah, reviews. Yeah, I heard it was good. I heard it was pretty funny. So I might give that a look as well. Uh, we got I Killed Giants. 
It's the uh, uh, fantasy movie. Didn't look nah. didn't look great to me. Mm-hmm. No. Twilight Time is putting out a Blu-ray version of Birth of a Nation, the nineteen fifteen classic. Now this is a limited edition print, three thousand. So if you want to get on that Birth of a Nation Blu-ray, I'd uh, I'd jump on that quick because you know they're gonna go like hotcakes. <laughs> they, they probably will. Yeah. For some reason, people are D.W. Griffith. I've never Just fucking love them. I've never seen Birth of a Nation. I I really I'm never going yeah, to. I, I mean, I I there was one of those things that when I was you know going through the history of cinema, I was like, I need to watch this, and then it was like three hours and fifteen minutes, and you know, Ku Klux Klan and how great they are. It's just like you know what, I'll skip it. <laughs> Don't need to. <laughs> I'll just skip that I'm one. Good. <laughs> I I I understand it for its place in the history of cinema, but I also feel like I've seen enough clips from it and heard enough about it that I just don't feel like I need to, to sit and watch it. Yeah. And it's also one of those things where it's like enough people have watched it and discussed it and, you know, incorporated into their own reading in the history of cinema that, you know, you could talk about something else. There is plenty of movies in 1915 that you can talk about. That are not the birth of a nation. Yeah. Wonderstruck coming out. Like Wonderstruck. You talk about Wonderstruck there you instead. Go. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. On the beach at night alone. Oh man, that's a good movie right there. I enjoyed that one. Yeah. I don't I don't typically like his movies either. That was the first one that actually connected with me. Very nice. Black Venus coming out. I believe that's an Arrow release from uh, 2010. Not, not 2010? Yeah. It's a newer release from Arrow. Not too familiar with that. Tremors Attack Pack coming out. Uh, has four four movies in it, which I don't understand because I'm pretty sure there's at least five Tremors movies. But I'm also looking on uh, Blu-ray.com here, and it's funny because it says all four movies, Tremors, Tremors 2 Aftershocks, Tremors 3 Back to Perfection, Tremors 4 The Legend Begins, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. (laughs) So (laughs) so apparently Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom is also included in this. Is that part of the Tremors universe? Yeah, maybe. Did we not know about that? That would be fantastic if like the new... The newest Jurassic film, the tre- it's Tremors just show up halfway oh, through. Oh man, I would. Oh. Could you fucking imagine? I would love it. That'd be so I amazing. Would lose my shit. If there is like a T Rex walking or a Velociraptor, some shit, and Chris Pratt's about to die. Is Chris Pratt in those movies? Yeah, can't remember which Chris. He is. Yeah, Chris Pratt. He's about to die, and this Tremor just comes up out of nowhere and just fucking eats the Velociraptor. That would be so amazing. it. And Chris Pratt's just like, what the fuck? No one told me about Tremors. And then Kevin Bacon shows up and he's like, oh, by the way, Tremors. And then it's greatness from there on. That sounds amazing. I think that this release, I think this came out before. Because I had a Tremors pack before and it had all four movies. So I would say, I think there's six Tremors movies. So I would say you can probably skip this one. Because there's there's two other <laughs> ones. There's the ones with Jamie Kennedy that came yeah. out. There's one that just came out like a couple weeks ago, and then there's one that came out like a year ago. So this is missing two two of them. And the Jurassic and I'm looking here. It says Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, and then it says Fandango Cash. So I'm guessing that if you buy this, it contains some sort of like coupon code to go see Jurassic World. Yeah. And uh, oh, speaking man. of yeah. the Jurassic Park movies, there's a 4K collection that's coming out that has uh, all of them, all of them except for the newest one from the looks yeah. of it. What is that? What is that? Like a steelbook diamond edition? 
No, okay. it's uh, so it's got so it's got a digi digi book twenty fifth anniversary Hell edition yeah. limited edition. Love my digi books. And then it also has the Fandango cash for uh, Fallen <laughs> Kingdom as well, and it's all four Jurassic Park movies, the up, okay. up to the newest. Yeah. I don't know why you know they just do this every time a, a big franchise movie comes out. They release a box set. Of all the other mm-hmm. ones, and it's like, why would I buy that when I know that it's not complete? Yeah, like it, that just that irritates me. The fact that I have the Anth- Alien Anthology Blu-ray, which is like uh, an absolutely fantastic Blu-ray set, but it doesn't include Covenant because it came out before that. Yeah, yeah, it kind of bothers me a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> just, just, just a little bit. It's like throwing in trash. I, I mean, what good is it? Throw it in the trash. Smash it. Just Burn. break it up. Throw it out your window on the streets of New York. Just fucking whip it out there. Yeah. It's not, it's not go crazy. <laughs> uh, what do we have on Criterion this week? Uh, we have three. A triple bill. Man, triple. Paul Schrader. Criterion triple threat. Yeah, watch out. You got Paul Schrader. I guess to go along with his his newest movie coming out, First Reform, you can get Mishima, A Life in Four Chapters. So you can do that. You got that. That's an option. And then you also have two uh, Romanian New Wave movies. That's Beyond the Hills and Graduation. Nice. Romanian New Wave. Very nice. Get it. Well, it's hot. Very nice. All right, I think that that will do it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. You can send us your questions and topics to feedback at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. And if you have a minute, take a look at our Patreon page, patreon.com slash filmpulse. Consider helping us out by becoming a subscriber. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name is Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week. I got to win. Don't